Good evening, everyone. It's good to have this number back out with us for our second half of our worship service. I know we have several of our number who are out and, and who choose not to be out, but unfortunately they're out because of their illness, and we, we continue to pray for them and wish them for the best <clears throat> and to gain their health and to be restored back unto us. All right, uh, this evening I want to think about goals. Uh, when, when, we think, when we think about goals and we set goals before ourselves, you might ask someone to, graduating high school, they, they got this goal, they want to have a good job, or, or graduating high school, I want to go to college, get more education. If you want to ask someone who's working, you know, that, that working person as I am in our everyday walk of life, you might ask them what their goal is, and it's to retire. All right? You might ask someone who is of a seasoned nature, what's your goal? He says, that, that person might say, I want to die in Christ. And that is a wonderful goal to have. Even as a young person, someone needs to be turned on to Christ and become that spiritually minded person that they have and to put that first into their lives. That being said, tonight we're going to be in Genesis, but before we get into Genesis, I want us to look at something. We've covered this verse many times, but I want us to refresh it into our minds, and it goes right hand in hand with what God is doing with Abram and Abraham. Of course, it's the same person, different name, but it's the same person. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 in the first verse. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Notice what was said. If, the word if is a, is a question. There, therein lies choice. The, the choice that we have to make to please God in every walks of life. In doing so, if then you were raised with Christ, have you buried that old person in baptism? Have you taken that first walk of your spirituality that's pleasing to God? My question is, have you been baptized for the remission of sins? In doing so, and only doing so, can you be raised with Christ? That child that you, that you, that you were when you was immersed, that brand new babe in Christ, have you been raised with Christ? Are you growing? Are you taking those efforts to continue to spiritually grow? I seriously hope so. In doing so, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth, because the things of the earth are passing away. The things that are above, that is heaven, that promise that God has reserved for those who are faithful, is everlasting. My mind here in, in chapter 3 of verse 1 in the first part of it, if then you were raised with Christ. Have you ever heard the gospel been, been uh, made, made mention of as a call? Because God calls folks. I don't mean people picks up the telephone. That is not what I mean. I mean he makes the call through his gospel. He works on the hearts of those who either respond to it, and he also works on the hearts of those who do not respond to it. You might say, huh? Think back to Pharaoh. What did he do to Pharaoh? He hardened his heart. And I'm in, the, in an in-depth study, of course, by myself. I, I set myself a little bit of a goal there is to learn more about the Old Testament. I'm, I'm not well-versed enough in it. I'm struggling with it, but that is my goal. I'm in the middle right there where Moses is talking to God about talking to Pharaoh, and you don't want to do it. He's hesitant. Moses tells God, 
whomever you send, let them speak to him. Because I'm not of an eloquent speech. Therefore, Moses saying, I don't speak well enough to go and talk to Pharaoh. I'm, I'm in the middle of that. Folks, we have enough speech in this room right here to convince someone to come to Christ. That needs to be one of our goals. In our mind set tonight of setting goals before ourselves, as we've been immersed, as we have been changed, as we have been called to be a child of God, we need to behave like a child of God. In doing so, encouraging those who are lost to come to Christ. So, with our fingers still in Colossians chapter 3, Again, I said we're going to be in Genesis. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. And of course, this is Abraham as we know of him today, but here he's still called Abram. This is before his name was changed. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in, uh, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And you notice in verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord has spoken to him. God told Abram to leave. Get away from your father's house. Leave your home. Take your family and go to a place that I will show you. That makes some of us nervous. As we become acclimated or used to the things that we are surrounded with. How many of us in this room and how many of us listening to this, uh, to this uh, lesson knows where Walmart is? You know how to get to Walmart from here, right? You know how to get to a hardware store. You know how to get to the parts house. What if you moved and go to a place that was completely different? You're going to have to start over, ain't you? You're going to have to learn where the hardware store is. You're going to have to learn where the grocery store is. You're going to have to learn where all these things are at, the banks and so forth. You've got to learn all these new things, which we're used to where we are now. Many of us have been living in our homes for over a decade. And I, thought, I know in the back of your mind... A little bit longer than that. We've, we're acclimated to where we are and we're comfortable. It's home. Do you think home felt like home to Abram whenever God told him, get out of your country? Of course it did. It was, it was there. It was his home. He was familiar with it. And God told him to go. You notice he did not rebuke God at all. We don't have any account of that whatsoever. And in that study of my mind going to Abram and his relationship to God, look at Moses and his relationship to God. When God told Moses to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Moses said, well, I can't speak that well. We don't see any of that from Abram. We don't see any, well, I, I'm not so sure I'm the right person. We don't see any of that from Abram. He goes and he leaves, departs from that land, in verse 4, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Uh-oh, he was 75. Would you be comfortable going to a new place at 75? I can see some head shaking. Well, of course not. I would, I'm, I'm 44. I still would be uncomfortable going to a new place. I like living here in Minor Hill. I like the people here in Minor Hill. 
I like the surroundings of Minor Hill. I do. But if the Lord told us to go somewhere else, where would we, what would we do? Do we say, well, I'm used to, I'm not going to do that, God. We don't see Abram doing that at all, do we? We see him getting up, leaving, and obeying God. Back to Colossians chapter 3. Excuse me. Colossians chapter 4, verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ. That's the gospel call. That's you opening up God's word and him telling you to make the change. Come to me. Does Christ not say, come to me, you all who are heavy laden? Does he not tell us that? When we abide in sin, we're outside of him. We need Jesus. We need his blood. We need the grace that comes from God. It's already been extended unto us through his son. If then you were raised with Christ, going right back to Abram, God telling him, go out of your country to a land that I will show you. Abram went. Have you taken that first step? Have you become that Genesis 12 Christian that you should be? Now, whenever I say you Genesis chapter 12 Christian, this is what I mean. <coughs> Excuse me. Have you given up the things of the world? Have you given up the iniquities and the sinfulness of the world? Casting off those things that separate you from God? Casting off those things that will condemn you on judgment day? Have you cast those things off? Have you forsaken those things? Well, there you go. You're at Genesis chapter 12 if you can answer yes. I can do those things. I can study the Bible. I can adhere to it to the best of my ability. And yes, it's going to get tough. If you don't think it's going to get tough, go study Romans. Go study Hebrews. And then to top it all off, go study Revelation and understand it to its entirety. A difficult thing. So we think about being that Genesis 12 child of God. Giving up the world. Turning away from iniquity. Having that spiritual mindset. Having the will to not sin as we find in Romans chapter 7 that Paul has, and yet still he does fall short, and he sins, and he hates it, yet still that second law of pardon comes in because God will forgive us if we confess our sins, if we are faithful and just and honest and truly in that repentant act, that repentant act, and then we ask God to forgive us of that sin. He will forgive us of all unrighteousness. I'm thankful he does so. Because even though you have been immersed, even though you have been baptized for the remission of sins, you can still lose your salvation. You might say, huh? You mean, you mean I can lose my salvation? Most assuredly. If we abide in sin, if we sin willfully, there again, there no longer remains that sacrifice for sins as we studied this morning and as we need to stay fresh into our minds of Hebrews 10 and verse 26. So we see Abram in Genesis chapter 12, just in the fourth verses. Four, in the first four verses. So let's go back to Colossians chapter 4. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, or your affection. Set your affection on things above. Let me ask you this. What do you care about in your everyday walk a lot? Something probably popped into your mind. Did salvation come anywhere in there? 
Did your spirituality kind of fall in that category at all? What do you care about? You might say, my wife or my husband. There's nothing wrong with caring about your wife or caring about your husband. Well, I care about my children. There's nothing wrong with that. We need to care about our spirituality. We need to look within ourselves and what have we set our mind on? What we have is set our affections on. We also learn that in Matthew chapter 7, where our treasure is. We've already got a treasure, as we learned this morning in 2 Corinthians. That treasure being the gift of the Holy Spirit, as we are faithful unto him. If then you were raised with Christ, being obedient to God's command, you received a little portion of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 2 tells us to set your mind on things above. How difficult is that? How difficult is it to set our mind on things above when the ways of the world come crashing down? We also find Paul talking about those who are teaching, talking about those who are instructing just in the church in Corinth about the things that they have been involved in. Not involved in, but the things that they have been dealt with. The hardships, the persecutions, the arguments. Paul says, we have endured these things, but we have not given up. Neither can we. So we think about Abraham and who he was. We do realize he was called the friend of God. Why would Abraham be called the friend of God? Did Abraham not sin? He did. He did, did he not? Uh, did he not lie about his wife being his sister? He did. To, to escape certain death of him being killed for... That would, that would terrify someone at uh, the risk of death. But yet still he lied about it. But yet still he was called the friend of God. Why was he called the friend of God? Because he did his very best to be obedient to his heavenly father. Does that sound familiar? How about New Testament? How about 2,000 years later and we look within ourselves. Can we call ourselves the friend of God? Honestly and truly, can we call ourselves the friend of God? Christ explained how we can. You remember what he said to his disciples? He says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. For a servant does not know what the master is doing. Christ has made the things what he is doing. He has made them light. He has made them manifest. He has made them known what he has done and what he continues to do to this day. Are we thankful for those acts? Are we thankful for Christ's sacrifice? We made mention this morning in Bible class about remembering Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And I made a comment, and I, I had some agreements in there. We don't think about that enough. We don't think about that sacrifice that the Son of God, one-third God, died a very cruel death for your sins. We don't think about that enough, do we? As we keep that fresh into our minds, as a child of God, we're not going to have the mindset of sin. We're not going to say we're not going to have partakers of the flesh. We're not going to be overcome with money. We're not going to let something come between us and God, that being idol worship, because it happens. Look at our numbers tonight. It happens. That's not saying sickness. I'm saying someone chose to put something before their Heavenly Father. 
Let's look within ourselves to set our minds on things above, not on things of the earth. Because again, the things of this earth are going to be passing away. When God says, follow me, obey my commandments, and you will abide in my love, we do realize these means all of them. Not picking and choosing. Which my mind goes to Genesis chapter 22. Turn there with me. Genesis chapter 22. So we see a, an example of a Genesis 12 Christian. We see that one who can just give up the world and give up the, the, the sins of the world and start studying their Bible and trying their best to be a child of God. Didn't we see God give us tough commands? We see God giving us hard and difficult things that are difficult to swallow, if you will. He gives Abraham, of course now it's Abraham. We see him giving Abraham a difficult task. Put yourself in his shoes in Genesis chapter 22. Can you say, okay God, I'm going to do it? Or would you have to think about it? Let's look at what happens in Genesis chapter 22. <clears throat> now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. All right, before we, before we continue on, notice what Abraham says. Here I am. In other words, here I am, Lord, use me. I am your instrument. Use me. That is exactly what he's saying. Here I am. Not, God's not asking for where yet. That's not, God knew where he was. Remember in the garden, in, uh, in, the, garden of, in the garden of Eden, whenever Adam and Eve hid themselves, what did God say? Where are you? He knew where they were. He already knew what done happened. So he says, here I am, Abraham does. Then he said, take now your son, this being God, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall show you. Now, do you think Abraham was familiar with a burnt offering? He was. Now, are you familiar with what a burnt offering is? And if not, here you go. Here's what a burnt offering is. A burnt offering is laid upon an altar and burnt till there's nothing. Absolutely charcoal left. There's nothing, there, there's, there's nothing left to salvage. It's a burnt offering. There's absolutely nothing left. Here's Abraham just got the command from God to offer his only son through whom the promise has been given. Abraham remembers that promise about his uh, descendants being numbered as the stars in the heaven, about his seed being numbered as the sands of the earth or in the sands of the sea. That's a lot. And how else is that going to happen unless there's an eye? It, it can't, right? So God tells Abraham, he's testing him. Keep in mind, uh, verse 1 tells us that God is testing Abraham. Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. How do you think Abraham felt whenever he heard that? Do you think he felt happy? Do you think he felt distraught? You might, he might be thinking, what's he doing to me? Why do I have to go offer my only son? Why can't we offer something else? No, God said his only son, did he not? Alright, let's look in verse 3. The reason why I asked that question putting yourself in Abraham's shoes, hearing that difficult word, offering your only son. Now, many of you have children. Right? Many of you have children. 
Put yourself in his shoes. Could you do that? Could you kill your child if God told you to and offer him up as a, he or she as a burnt offering? That's, now you all think about it, don't you? That'd be a difficult task. Right? Look what Abraham does in verse 4. So Abraham rose early in the morning. Uh, he, he rose early in the morning. Why would he raise? Why would he? Why would he? Why would he rise early in the morning? He's going to kill his son, and saddled his donkey, and took two of the young with with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and he rose with the place of which God had told him. He rose early in the morning. Why would he rise early in the morning? Because he was pleasing God. That's how much dedication Isaac had. Oh, excuse me, Abraham had. He rose early in the morning. He wasn't. He could have waited all day. He could have. He could have spent the rest of the, the rest of the day with his son. He could have done that. Mm -mm. He rose early in the morning and went to the place God which had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to the two said said to his young men, "Notice what he says. This is significant. We see the faith." of Abraham. We see the faith. We see the reason why God calls him his friend. Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. He, tells the, he tells the two men that we're going to be back. What is in the back of Abraham? What is in the back of his mind? What do you think? Well, I'm going up here to kill my son. How can, he, how can we both come back? Because he does say the lad and I will be back. He could have said, well, I'll be back. He could have said that. Those famous words almost, are they not? I'll be back. But he says the lad and I. So why would he say the lad and I? He, had, he trusted in God. He trusted in God all the way to the, the, the last few verses that we're going to read. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son and took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. And notice what verse 7. Isaac becomes a little bit uh, concerned on this journey. I see we, we're all prepared, but, but we're missing something. Listen to verse 7. But Isaac spoke to Abraham. His father said, My father, he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Look, the fire, wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Uh-oh. Isaac becomes a little skeptical there about this plan. We have all these things that's for the burnt offering, but we're missing a lamb. Abraham said in verse 8, My son, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. No truer statement was made. But at that time, Abraham was going to what? Kill his son. He said that the, the Lord had provided for that lamb already. And it was Isaac in, in Abraham's mind. And then in verse 9. Then, the, then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. What do you think is going through Isaac's mind right now? 
What are you doing, Dad? Whoa, wait a minute. What's going on? I thought you said the, the Lord was going to provide a lamb. What are you putting me up here for? Could you imagine? Did it stop Abraham? No, it did not. He continued on. So Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son in verse 10. He was fixing to kill his son. He was in the motion. And in verse 11, God intercedes. Because to this point, God is still testing Abraham to see whether or not how faithful he is. He already knew. But he was testing him. He knew that his friend wasn't going to, was going to, but God interceded. And even if he did kill him, even if he did put him to an ashy heap, God could have restored him. We're talking about God here. Those ashes, that dirt, that dust, that a person turns back into, God can make a person back out of that again. We do realize that, right? He could have, but that's not what happened. God stopped him in verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven <clears throat> and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the land or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Where was Abraham's mind? Where was Abraham's mind? It was on God. Because God gave him a command to do. God gave him a very difficult command to do. It's easy being a Genesis 12 Christian. It's easy. Giving up the world coming to church, studying about God, learning what he would have you to do. The difficult part is doing it. We need to have that mindset of being a Genesis chapter 22 Christian. Can we honestly today say that we are a Genesis chapter 22 Christian or do we need some work? I'm going to hear for say right now that I still need some work. That goal needs to be met. I'm not there yet. I hope before I pass from this earth until Christ comes again, I reach that point. It takes some dedication. So we need to look within ourselves. Have we honestly and truly set our mind on things above? Or have we let things on the earth come in between us? If Abraham would have been an earthly-minded person, he would have said, well, that don't make no sense, God. That don't make no sense. He would have said something along this nature. Well, if, if you're going to have my seed numbered as the sands of the earth, I'm not producing any more children. It's going to have to come through my only son. And how's that going to work? See? The arguments are there. Have you noticed that folks like to argue with God when it comes to his word? Now, when I say that, we change it. Not here at Booth Chapel. People in general, change it. Let's change God's word because he don't know what he's talking about. What? We sang a wonderful song right before the service. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the love that brought that grace down to man. Uh, we can't find that anywhere else but God. Salvation, grace, there is no other place we're going to find it as people. No other. God bestows it unto us. We have to yearn for it. We have to seek it. 
We have to set our minds on heavenly things. And guess what? It will be given unto us. As we continue on in verse 13, because Abraham did tell his son Isaac that God will provide that lamb. Verse 13, then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram, offered it for a burnt offering instead of his son. He still provided that burnt offering because the angel of the Lord stopped him. That voice come down from heaven and said, Abraham, don't harm your son. Don't kill him. Now I know that you fear the Lord. Now my question, do we fear God? Not the trembling, I want to crawl on a rock fear. I'm talking about the reverence, the readying and willingness to obey his word just as Abraham did. Are we a Genesis chapter 2, 20, are we a Genesis chapter 22 child of God? Abraham was. He wasn't going to let anything come between him and being obedient to God. So my question tonight, where do you stand? Would you stand with Abraham in your faith? Or is your faith lacking tonight? Have you been overcome with sin? Have you told God no? Have you, have you told him, well, I don't know about this? Have you argued with him? Have you changed his word? Because we can do that as people. It's not a good option at all. But folks do. Satan done it, did he not? He added one word. Brought upon death and destruction. For he's the author of death. He's the orchestrator. He's the father of it. And he likes it. He likes destruction. He likes death. God offers life. And life everlasting. So as we look within ourselves, setting our mind, setting our mind on things above, let's not set our, set our mind on things upon this earth. Again, the things of this earth are passing away. Those heavenly things, they last forever. Where would you find yourself tonight? In heaven or torment? If you find yourself in torment, make that change. Make that transition to even become a Genesis chapter 12 child of God and start your spiritual walk through baptism, faithful observance of God's word, believing without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Dying for your sins. Don't wait any longer. Be immersed. Get forgiveness of your sins. Start your spiritual walk. I know many of us in here tonight have done so. But where is our goals? Where is our dedication? Where is our motivation of being a child of God? Is it in heaven? I hope so. If it's not, if it's not in heaven, it's up on this earth. Why don't we make a change tonight? as we get forgiveness of those sins, as we stand, as we sing a song of invitation.